Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. So to kick off the podcast tonight, let's just jump straight into an interview here with Coach Rolf of Fort Defiance Football. Uh, Coach, you've been on with us a couple times before, and and uh, usually we catch you after a big win, but I want to catch you early in the season this year so we can uh, you know preview uh, some some big wins for Fort Defiance this year. Yeah, no, thank you all for having me on and, and uh, looking forward to the season. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of things to look forward to from a fan perspective, from, uh, you know, where we sit, the media perspective. Um, you guys, you know, increased in your win total last year, and you did it with a lot of young talent. And, and with a lot of those guys coming back, it, you have to have optimism there at Fort. Oh, absolutely. You know, we've been practicing for about a week now. And I don't think it's we've had as easy a week in terms of preparation. All these kids have been playing a lot of them for two years now, and uh, it's made everything a little bit smoother. So, Coach, when you come into this season and, you know, the the beginning of the schedule is kind of daunting in the fact that you play a Turner Ashby team that is usually a really good football program. Allegheny's going to be a new opponent, uh, but not a ton of talent there. But Riverheads is that third game of the year, and it – Two of those first three games are such a huge test. I know you're returning a lot, but what's been the message to your team to kind of be like, hey, guys, we don't have a game to kind of figure this out. we got to figure this out immediately. You know, it's funny that you said that because, the, you know, the Riverheads, we've, we've always played them kind of later in the season. And when the schedule broke the way it did and the, and the kind of fit them in the week three, at first I was like, oh, it's nice to play them a little bit earlier. And then I said, holy cow, that's two weeks after playing T.A., <laughs> And what, you know, I had to go back and think about Allegheny. He was in the playoffs last year, and they had that incredible running back. Now he's graduated, but they're still, and, and with them combining with Covington, I, I think they might be three of the better teams. I know Riverheads and TA are probably two of the best teams in the area, if not the two best teams. Yeah, and, and that's something I wanted to highlight. When you look at your schedule, you have TA, you have Broadway. We're used to seeing Fort Defiance, uh, especially under your tenure, um, even though coming over to the Shenandoah district, still playing a lot of Valley district teams and your history in the Valley district. Um, what, what is some of your views on the Valley district? I know we're here to talk about your team, but, you know, talk about the Valley district for a minute and what you think uh, is going to happen up there with the strengths that they have in those couple teams that I just mentioned. Well, I, I think the Valley district district is going to go through TA and uh, I think it's going to come down to the game between T.A. and Spotswood. I, I think they're the two best teams with, you know, what they have coming back and from what they did a year ago. And shoot, they played in the playoffs last year. And that was a, I think, a one score game. And it was uh, nip and tuck all the way to the end. So I, I think that's going to happen. Uh, kind of the same scenario. Plus, they add uh, William Monroe. And, um, of course, next year, they'll, they'll be adding the new Harrisonburg School. So, yeah, it's going to be a very competitive district. When you – going back to what you bring back, I mean, you do bring back a second-team all-district quarterback in Trey Miller. You have an all-district wide receiver in Taylor Arm and Trout come back. And you add in a guy like Bradley Hebb. I mean, you have the weapons to kind of be a pretty decent football team in the sense that – at least from my perspective, when we're up in the booth, it seems like – what separates the good teams from the great teams is kind of that added wrinkle of being able to pass. What has that been like to have as a coach, knowing that you have that weapon in your bag to go to? 
you know, that that was, the I, I thought, the biggest improvement we made a year ago was that ability to spread the ball around a little bit, get the ball out. I thought Talon Armantrout was as good a receiver as there was in the area, if not the best receiver in the area. And, uh, you know, with them all being sophomores, they have a lot of experience. They play 20 games at the varsity level. So now it's kind of, you know, even though they're still just juniors, they, they have the experience of a lot of senior players playing at the same positions. It's hard to ignore the fact that you, you got a piece missing on the uh, defensive side. And that's the, uh, you know, the defensive leader from the last few years, Ryan Bird. He goes over to Wilson. I'm sure I, I, I know you well enough to know that you're excited for his opportunity there. But, you know, talk about what that does preparing for this season, losing that piece of the, of the coaching room um, as you move into this season. You, you know, the, the hardest thing has been the familiarity. Uh, you, you know, I coached Ryan, yeah. uh, we've, you know, coached together for so long and, and I wish him nothing but the best except for one game of the year. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, I, it, it's been, it, it kind of put us behind the ball a little bit defensively, just trying to get what we wanted to do. Uh, but it, in a way it's been good because as a staff, we've been able to kind of come together and, and get things rolling a little bit. And, um, you know, uh, hopefully we, you know, we get things started with, for that first game. Cause I'll tell you what, uh, that first opponent's going to be a bear. Yeah. But I, I think last year there was positive signs. You had an early season game with TA, I believe last year, and, and you were kind of in that game, uh, to a, a later point in that game. And, and I think that helped build for a momentum from you guys, from my point of view. Oh, oh, absolutely. I, I, you know, cause I think when we walked out on the field, there was a difference between uh, TA and us in terms of physicality, size and all of that. And with three minutes to go in the game, we had the ball and uh, we threw an interception down at the goal line, which could have gone either way. Had we scored that touchdown, we would have taken a one or two point lead at that time. And that would have been huge going in for the rest of the season. And that kind of, you know, that was the story of, uh, of last year. And we were playing a lot of sophomores, but I think all but the Riverheads game, we were within a score with three minutes to go in the fourth quarter of every game. Uh, now we got to find a way to kind of get over that hump and, and finish them. So you had so many games last year that were on the loss side that were close, right? The Stewart's draft game, you're in the game till the very end. You just can't close it out. The, the Stanton game, close, just doesn't go your way. Even the Buffalo Gap game, you guys were absolutely in that ball game. It's 31-22 final. What do you have to do to change those close losses into wins this season and then get your team back in that Class 3 playoff? Yeah, and let me correct you. Class, class 2. two class, class 2. two. Yep, yeah. I'm, you're right. I'm motioning I'm to him, yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> Realignment, I'm going to have to uh, learn these new classifications here. Yeah. No, I... You know, that, that's going to be the, the, the hardest thing. I, I thought last year the hardest thing was we hadn't been there for a while. Mm -hmm. And to be so close in all of these games and the belief that, yes, we, we can. And, 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 you know, truthfully, we, we lost a heartbreaker at Rockbridge. That was yeah. devastating. Yeah. And I think it, it, it really, had we won that game, uh, I, I think maybe we could have closed out two more of those other games. And then you're looking at six and four, five and five. Like you said, the draft game 
we scored right there at the end of the game. We had a penalty call back, you know, and, and you think you've won a game against an excellent opponent and then lose a heartbreaker like that. And I think some of that is when you're playing a lot of kids that are young, there was not that older group that they could rely on to say, hey, this is what it takes to get over that hump. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point. That's 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 a good way to approach that. And, and going into this season, you guys have that experience on your back. Um, so looking at this season and obviously, you know, playing as much football as possible it has to be a goal of any football team that steps out there. And, and so that means making the playoffs. If you're able to get to that point, you know, what are, what do you think is going to be some of the successes for your team that, that tells that story? Is it, is it Trey Miller having an incredible passing year? Is it, you know, great running? Is it, you know, a, a defense that's holding teams under 20 points a game? What, what would be your staple if you f- could foresee you guys being a playoff team and, and what that would be? Can I say all of the above? Um, <laughs> no, I need the one answer, right? <laughs> yeah, one answer. Okay. No, one answer. Here, here it is. Uh, I, I thought there were we, – we need a timely stop on defense. That's going to be yeah. the big thing. Um, there were too many games last year where we had it. We, we just have to learn to finish those games with a stop in the fourth quarter or a stop on fourth down or third down or whatever it may be so we can get off, get the, you know, the defense off the field and, and – I think the strength is going to be the offense. And with all those weapons, the more plays they get, the more they have, I, I think the better football team we're going to be. Well, Coach, good luck to you with the season getting going here. I know uh, we're recording on Monday night here for our listeners, and you guys uh, you guys had the rare August uh, canceled practice today. That's, <laughs> that's a, That has to be a weird little feeling today. Yeah, in 28 years of coaching, this is the second time where we've had to go home without being able to go to football practice. Uh, the other one was I was in Richmond for, uh, was it Hurricane Gaston? Some, it, it was a hurricane or tropical storm Gaston. Man. But same idea. I, I imagine you're ready to stop saying, hey, the first time in 20-some years I've had to deal with this in football. I think you've had a lot of, uh, enough of those uh, in these last uh, few years, haven't you? <laughs> uh, i tell you what, yes. If the more we can get back to normal, the happier I'll be. Well, Coach, good luck with everything this season. We'll be following you along uh, on the podcast. You'll also uh, hear us talking about you on Friday nights on ESPN 1240. But we look forward to talking to you again down the road. Look forward to it and thank that everything that y'all do for high school football. Thank you, coach. Really appreciate it. So thanks again there to coach Rolf for coming on with us. Uh, you know, Joe and I, uh, for the listeners, uh, for them to know, we're in the same room for recording this podcast for the first time ever. And you would think it's all of Joe's technical problems from the last few weeks of the podcast, but, uh, actually it was my fault with the internet, the storm, on Monday here, uh, wiped us out on internet. So I had to, I'm in the, in the home of Joe deck here with the bobbleheads and the MLB and NFL, um, team things. Although I love it. I mean, this is the setting. I think I need to record it. I'm, I'm like at my work desk every day recording the podcast. I need the sports theme. I need the bobbleheads. I need more bobbleheads in my life really. Yeah. And I'm glad you're able to partake in this. Um, (laughs) now I haven't updated the MLB standings from last year and I'll be perfectly honest. I don't know if I will, um, 
because we're winning. Yeah. It's and so <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't want to do it. And then we fall <laughs> apart. Uh, but we'll talk about the Orioles more here in a second. I don't want to hijack the podcast yet. Uh, <laughs> I because I, we do have more local news. Yeah, a couple more local news. I, I don't want to skip past that. I mean, I, the biggest news of my life is that I'm sitting in Joe Deck's apartment, so I just want to make everybody sure, well aware of that. Um, but as we move on from the high school football talk, there'll be more in the weeks to come as we get ready for the season to start. Did want to mention softball over at Wilson. They were searching for a new coach, and they do have Coach Emily Kinney from uh, most recently from Fort Defiance as an assistant coach over uh, under Coach Wood there. She comes over to Wilson. Uh, that's two coaches now, uh, assistant coaches from Wilson that I know of this season coming over to Wilson. And uh, so congratulations to her on that. And, uh, you know, that's a softball program that's had their moments. And I, I think there's a lot to work with there. And we know, I mean, every year we talk about the Yak Cup, what Wilson does across all the sports, especially those spring sports. And a spring sport on the diamond over in Fishersville, there's some expectations there, really. So, uh, you know, congratulations to her. Get that. And, and we look forward to seeing the success she brings over there to Fishersville. Yeah. And I think, you know, you touched on it. She comes from Fort. She was under Coach Wood. We know how good that program was under Coach Wood. So yeah. we know she knows what a successful program looks like. Absolutely. And now she's going to try to bring that to Wilson and try to build on what they have and, and see if she can turn them into a team that can win Shenandoah District titles and go deep in that 3C region and it, try to get into states. Um, and this is a great opportunity, honestly, for Wilson. I thought that was a great hire when I saw it today. And um, the best of luck to Coach Kinney. Absolutely. And, um, you know, other holes to fill at some other schools. I know uh, a lot sure. of those big ones that we followed in the spring got filled. Um, but still some holes to see how they get filled up. And, and we'll try to keep up with them here. But I, I, I can't believe we had this long into the podcast and we still haven't talked to Orioles baseball. So, uh, you know, you know what, what do we have to say? Are we happy they're winning? Are we mad because they gave up a run in a certain inning? What, what's, I, I assume it's something to complain about. I, I have to assume your Orioles topic that you can't wait to get to talk to has to be complaining about something. Well, I mean, it should be all good news. Like, the Mets came into town, Buck Showalter, um, DJ Stewart, former Orioles on the Mets this year. Yeah. It should have been... Sunshine, we celebrated the 40th anniversary of our world championship. That went off great. Everyone had positive things to say about how that ceremony went. Um, and then we got a sweep in that this weekend. But on their off day, not to have too much praise and love sent his way, John Angelos uh, managed to find a way. Now, in fairness to John Angelos, he didn't do this today. It, he did this at the end of July, and people kind of caught it, and it got leaked to the media today on their off day. That um, Kevin Brown, who's one of the Orioles TV announcers, hasn't been doing any games since a series at the end of the month uh, in Tampa Bay. And he, this information is in the team packet of notes that is given to media members. It is in a graphic that appears on the screen when he's talking about it. The Orioles swept the Rays that weekend. It was... Three wins in that series, or maybe even four, I don't remember. But either way, it was more wins than the Orioles had in the two years combined at the trot before. Kevin Brown says this. Doesn't say like, wow, man, those teams sucked. Says, <laughs> Orioles get a sweep. It's a huge sweep. It's more wins than they had here over the last two seasons. And this isn't a bad raised team. This is a really good raised team. Those were good raised teams. And this team is right now, and at the time, I believe we had maybe just passed them into first place. 
or we were in first place, and he's like, this is a team competing for the another AL East division title. Apparently, uh, when he said those facts, uh, that was damning in the eyes of John Angelos, and he suspended him. Uh, so I have a lot of opinions on this for a lot of reasons. One, being an Orioles fan, um, I, I don't like the Angelos family to begin with. Um, Kevin Brown's really good at his job. And you might be thinking, okay, well, you know, the Orioles messed up this one time with Masson. No. <laughs> Gary Thorne during COVID got messed up because the Orioles didn't want to pay him. And that became a whole thing. And so then Gary Thorne leaves. Now, Gary Thorne is toward the end of his career. I, in fact, I don't know that he's been picked up by anyone else at this point. Um, but was a loved broadcaster by the Oriole fan base. Did a very good job. It was toward the end of the career. So, I mean, there were some nights where he's just, you know, messing stuff up a little bit. But then they go to Scott Gersow. That's the next guy that gets the main play-by-play -play job on Mass and TV. He's a Baltimore area sports anchor uh, on the radio. Uh, the transition to game play-by-play -play was not great. Um, he's more of a, a sports talk show host, which is fine. Um, but his play-by-play -play was bad. In fact, it was so bad that one year he's out. Kevin Brown was the backup that year um, and then was one of the main radio guys. Well, now Kevin Brown gets promoted to main TV. TV doing a great job. Everybody loves him because he's good. He's also doing nationally televised games on ESPN for college football. Um, but again, says this benign thing and gets suspended by John Angelos. And then it comes out as people start asking questions. Awful Announcing has covered this. Front Office Sports has covered this. The Athletic has covered this. Brick Garoli has covered this, who used to be a employee of Masson and then got out um, and, and now is working at The Athletic. So she kind of does probably have some sources still over at Masson, which I'm sure is where she got the information she got, uh, regarding other things that have been going on during Masson broadcasts that maybe people haven't noticed. Uh, but it has been told to Masson broadcasters, don't mention former players that are now on different teams uh, because it makes us seem cheap. To which when I read that, I was like, no, you don't seem cheap. You, you are, are cheap. But There's all, a difference. I need a mention in other teams. I need, I need the help on the Immaculate Grid. I need, I need well, to we need that. <laughs> but also, I was like, you have the 29th highest payroll out of 30 in baseball. Yeah, you're cheap. That makes you seem cheap. Yeah. You don't sign anyone. That makes you seem cheap. Yeah, but also right right now not to do that. Like, you've gone through this phase where you're building to this, and, like, you have plenty of good players right now. So, like, it's worked out. So, like, why wouldn't you highlight, yeah, we let that guy go, but look at us. We're where we want to be. Like, wouldn't it just, like, highlight – making good moves and having a good plan and following through with that plan. I, I, and you could even say one of our guys who's a pitcher, Dean Kramer. Hey, Dean Kramer, we got him in the Manny trade. Yeah. That, look at him. He's doing, he's having a pretty decent season this year. Pretty good season. I, I just, anytime a broadcaster, I, I get, I get, there's a lot of broadcasts we watch that it's not a Homer feed. You know, we watch a lot of NFL on the networks. We watch a lot of um, even baseball uh, on the national broadcast, but you have these networks that are the Homer broadcasts. Like, I I don't I hate to hear any time like you you're getting criticized for being too negative. I've 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 heard of instances in the past. I think we both have where and it, it just doesn't make sense. And so at this level, at the major league level, 
that's highlighted like this, you're not going to be able to hide this. Like, I, I just don't understand it. It's it's stupid. It highlights the bigger problem in Baltimore that you continually talk about, and, and that's the ownership. And, you know, <laughs> it, it makes me want to kind of root for the Orioles more so to to keep winning to maybe maybe this family will get out on top or something or, like, try to cash in at a, at a high value or I something hope. like whatever, that. Whatever it takes to get rid of them, I, I yeah. kind of want that. It's ridiculous. And, and again, this, it just kind of highlights this – and, you know, I obviously I follow a lot of Orioles fans on Twitter and a lot of Orioles fan pages on Twitter and uh, Baltimore media members. And so this was this was burning. And then I have some local people that I'm friends with that are also Orioles fans and that they're talking about it. And it's just like this is one of the best seasons this franchise has ever had. And you literally can't get out of your own way. No, you had the story of I'm going to open up the books before the season starts. Which, by the way, we're still waiting on that. Yeah. Haven't done that. Uh, you won't sign a stadium lease. Right. Now you have this. A- and one of the Oriole fan pages that I was like, great point. He's like, hey, John, if you want uh, to kind of throw something on this bad PR firestorm and maybe try to put this fire out, why don't you do something crazy like sign the stadium lease? Or, I don't know, announce a re-signing of someone like Adley Rushman. Because here's the thing. You are cheap. You don't seem cheap. You are cheap. And if you wait until the absolute last year to start negotiating with Adley, we're not going to be able to afford him. So why don't you do what the Atlanta Braves did or what the Tampa Bay Rays do when they have a really, really good young player that they know this guy is going to be a smash hit. We need to lock him up now. Sign him now. Sign him cheaper now. Now. Sign him to a long-term deal. I know you're scared because your dad did the infinitely stupid thing of paying Chris Davis $162 million when he was a free agent. But guess what? We were bidding against ourselves, and your dad is a grade-A idiot. <laughs> Just like you're a grade-A idiot because you can't stop being in the news for bad things. And I, I put on Twitter, and I honestly, Leland, I think this is the case. I think they get off on people hating them. I think that's a weird fetish that the Angelos family has where they just get off on the hatred that other people give them. And you know what? If I'm wrong, John Angelos... They must love Buster. Yeah, if I'm wrong, John (laughs) Angelos, do this other crazy thing you could do if you don't want people hating you and constantly talking bad about you. You're not capable of making the right decision, so do the other thing, which is sell the team. Yeah. Because guess what? The city of Baltimore will stop talking about you and your family the day you do it. Yeah. So sell the team... And speaking of, uh, this is another great post by a friend that I am a friend, a friend that I have that is an Orioles fan who's also a fan of the Commanders. Now that Dan Snyder's not there, the meat shield is gone for the Angelos family because it was always, yeah, the Angelos family sucks, but look at Dan Snyder. <laughs> now he's gone. Now it's you. Yeah, the cheese stands alone, and you're a—he's just a guy who can't get out of his own way. The man could run against a cockroach for mayor of Baltimore, and he would lose in a landslide. (laughs) Like, nobody likes this man. Nobody likes his entire family. My only hope is that he doesn't have kids because the day he dies, I don't want to see this thing on ESPN like we had of George Steinbrenner of like, oh, what a great human George Steinbrenner was. Because let me tell you, if they try to, and here's the thing, they won't because we're the Orioles and not the Yankees. But if some media organization tries to paint the Angelos family in anything, that resembles a positive light. 
they better not take calls <laughs> because they will get lit up. They better not take calls. They better not go like share your Angela's family stories on whatever social media thing is the craze of the day because it will be toxic. I mean, I think I, I could see a local radio station actually doing that. Not to paint it good. Right. They just know it'll be a fire that they can use for three days on air. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, it will be a holiday yeah. in Baltimore the day that that well, family no longer owns the team, whether that's by selling or by death. Either way, that will be a holiday in Baltimore. I know there's a lot of people saying you shouldn't celebrate anytime a person dies. <laughs> well, you're wrong. There are people in this world that when they die, you do celebrate. Most of them are terrible human beings who have committed genocide. <laughs> but... The Angelos family has made the list because they are killing this team. Well, despite all that, they're still battling for first place in Major League Baseball. I mean, that hesitation there isn't me wondering. They're right there. They have the same amount of wins as the Braves uh, when the day started today and during this rain delay that the Braves are having tonight. So uh, it's just exciting for to see. I'm not a Baltimore fan, but I have no problem with the Baltimores, and I, and I am cheering for them this year. Because I have a bet on the line that I, I'm not sure if the other person knows we have. But I'm cheering for them. Uh, and this is – I want you to have this happiness. And, I mean, they're 8-2. and two. We talked about them, what, two weeks ago. And here they are kind of sliding into tied for the best record going into that devil race – or, excuse me, just the race yeah. series. And then they've gone 8-2 and two since then. Yeah, and they've played great. Yeah. And this is a team that is playing really well. And I do have questions on – with the roster construction the way it is, is this a team that can have success in the playoffs? Yeah. I do have that question. I think those are fair questions. I always go to pitching. When I talk, yeah. talk about teams that are in contention in October, it, it's pitching. And that that seems to be the uncertainty with this team. And after the trade do- deadline, not really getting a lot done in that area. Um, that remains a concern. But, hey, you got to be in the playoffs to win the playoffs. So uh, they seem to be on the way for that. Um, and... and- to, to briefly go back, and you talked about this too, and I don't like to see people suspended, especially when it's something that is absolutely not something we're suspended. That's the thing too about this, I, and I let it go because you, you were on a roll. I mean, there's a producer involved. There's the guy making the graphic. How does the announcer, the one taking the brunt from this punishment from the owner, to get suspended for talking about how bad they were when there's a graphic saying the same thing? And if you like, don't, I don't want it, don't put that. it in your team notes. Yeah. Because that's what you give to broadcasters yes. to use during absolutely. the games. That's that's and maybe somebody is too stupid to know that. And maybe their name is John Angelos. And maybe the city would be a better place if he wasn't in it. Yeah. But it, it's just it's the kind of stuff that as a broadcaster drives me nuts. Because yes, there is a difference. And and honestly, like when we do these games on Friday nights, like we don't run down the kids because one, they're kids. They're kids, so yeah. But two there are local teams, and we don't want anyone yeah. listening to feel like we're trying to bully a local team Absolutely. or anything like and that. And even even but, even in the playoffs, we're not bullying. The even we get more homery as the yes. as November and December come, we get more homery because the other teams' then, fans aren't listening to us, and right. everybody listening is listening for Riverheads or Stewart's Draft or whoever we're covering. But we're still not running down the other teams. <laughs> like we're not, we're not running, running down, down anybody. Teams. But also, on the flip side. Like, Waynesboro last year. Yeah. Waynesboro's not winning as many games as we thought they would. They were not. That's a fact. Yeah. Waynesboro goes out and loses a game by four scores. We're going to say Waynesboro went out and lost the game by four scores. Absolutely. Because that's a fact. Yeah. When he goes out and says the Baltimore Orioles won more games this weekend 
than they did in Tampa the last two seasons. It's just a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. I'm sorry you... And it's a positive today thing. I was going to say, I'm sorry you tore the franchise down because... Not to make you seem cheap, but, but you were cheap. But it's worked. Like, why wouldn't you celebrate? Like, look how smart I was. I no. watched the video three times to see how I could take it. That would be like, that is him running down the franchise. There's got to be. It's there, just not. There's got to be something then, else. There's got to so, be something else. Kevin Brown, the only game he's done since then was a radio call during the Philly series. And that was to fill in for a radio person who wasn't wearing team gear during the broadcast, so they got suspended for on the not radio. wearing team gear yeah. on the radio yeah. where everyone could see. Yeah, on the radio. A- again, it's just the kind of stuff that when you say it, you're like, oh, this is what a maniac would do. No. Or this is what someone with literally baby soft skin would do. So this is called a suspension. Do we have any idea when this thing's ending? Uh, they have not. The Baltimore Orioles have not called it a suspension. He has just been gone. And okay. uh, the official comment... When asked by Awful Announcing, Rick Garoli, Front Office Sports, was uh, he has been gone from our broadcast, but he will be returning shortly. We don't comment on employment issues, which I would love to comment on owner issues. Uh, again, why, why have the Orioles not signed a stadium lease, you might be asking? Great question. Because Camden Yards is a crown jewel. And, and there's a lot of people asking Major League Baseball. They're saying, if this is true, if he got suspended for saying that, Major League Baseball needs to do an investigation. It needs to step in. And you might be saying also, like, well, I mean, this is Masson, not the Orioles. Well, the Orioles own Masson. They are the majority owner of Masson. It's why they're being sued by Major League Baseball. Which, by the way, now I'm on Major League Baseball's side. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Take, take Masson away from him. Go in there and, you know what, better yet, if he won't pay up, take the team away from him. Give the team to somebody else and have them step in and be an ownership group and have another ownership group keep that team in Baltimore. The stadium lease will be signed immediately. We will have a rejuvenated fan base. The fans love this team. They are begging for this team to be a winner. They're begging for him to re-sign these young players that are so exciting to the fan base. And, you know, I, I did watch the series, every game of the series this weekend, but I had the TV on mute where I was, and I did notice, I believe it was on Sunday, uh, that John Angelos is up in the Masson booth. So I don't know if he knew this story was coming out today or not, and was just trying to get ahead of it a little bit and have a little good PR of, and, and I don't know who was doing play-by-play that day, but it was like, uh, it may have been uh, Jeff Arnold, but... Uh, was up there and saying, you know, oh, uh, John Angelos has come to join the party up here in the booth and being all chummy. And I just, I didn't, if I had heard that, I wouldn't have liked it then. But I get it. Yeah. It's a uh, Yeah, I, I'm not going to judge that moment. Yeah. But man, do I hate it even more now. Yeah. Like, because sure. here's the thing, John Angelos, nobody that works at Masson likes you. I will promise you that. But you do not have a friend in that organization over this. When you suspend somebody over that, you don't send a message. Well, you do send a message. But the message is you are too soft to handle day-to-day baseball operations. You can't even handle what is factual information being presented to you. That's not criticism. That's, those are facts. And you might take them as criticism, but that, then that's on you. 
because you're feeling like you didn't do something you could have done. And if that's true, again, that's on you. That's not on Kevin Brown. That's not on anyone else. And this is the kind of stuff that people like Buster Olney when they start harping. Now, Buster Olney's not commenting on this because I don't know why. Um, I guess this would be, you know, legit criticism of the ownership group uh, and not over some stupid freaking number. Um, Retirement of a... But it just comes back to this whole thing of how, how can you be so incompetent and so thin-skinned over this? Yeah. And again, you know, it's the same guy, though, that says... I've been super transparent during my time as the Orioles, and he's taken questions from the media one day during his entire ownership time and, li- and lied then. And it was on Martin Luther King Day and then got offended when fans, when a reporter said, can we see the books? And said, uh, today of all days, why would you ask me this? And when he said, this is the first day you have taken questions from the media since you've owned the team for two years. And he gets mad. Yeah. This is the same guy. Yeah. This is the same guy that won't sign a stadium lease. This is the same guy. And so when he says things like, yeah, this team's in Baltimore for the long haul, I, I don't believe him. Sign the stadium lease. Sign the stadium lease. Yeah. And you know what? If I was the governor of Maryland, I would turn the screws. I would start turning the screws because Major League Baseball is not going to let that team leave the state of Maryland. Yeah. Not I, that stadium. Yeah. They not shouldn't. that stadium. They it's shouldn't. a crown jewel of Major League Absolutely. Baseball. There's no way they're letting that team leave. Yes. So if I was the governor of Maryland, I'd start turning the screws. And I'd say, every day you don't sign that stadium lease, your tax break gets smaller. Yeah. Um, may, I mean, maybe they should, you know, you're mad enough about this. Maybe you and, and Angela should go out there to second base and, and just have a knockdown drag out like we saw between the uh, White Sox and uh, I the tell Indians you what, the other day. I'm not a fighter. I would train for that fight. <laughs> I would knock him out. It would probably be closer to what, the, what are they talking about this? Uh, Elon Musk and uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. It'd probably it probably be closer to that. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Yeah. And it has about the same chances of happening. But credit, um, credit to that fight between the Indians and, or excuse me, the guardians and the, uh, and apologize. The and uh, the white Sox there, you saw a punch land. You never see that in these baseball no. fights. You always see a lot of gesturing and uh, you know, stop holding me back kind of situations where, Guys get behind guys and act like they're going after them. Uh, no, there was a, a hook thrown in this, and and it put it put the White Sox player to the ground. And man, that that was different. You don't see that all the time. I I know we shouldn't be encouraging fighting and all that, especially in in, in that sport and all that. But it was different. It was different. Um, it was Tim Anderson. You know, kind of throws down his glove and gets in a fighting stance. Like I want this. Oh, I mean, they're squaring up. And then uh, he, he got it. Yeah, Ramirez immediately knocks. He him messed out. around and found out. He and it didn't look like he caught him too flush, but he does clip him. And I guess he clipped him on a place that was hey. the go to sleep button. Yeah, and I mean he goes down. And when he went down, as I would when I'm watching a UFC fight and I see that, I just go, oh yeah. And the radio announcer was the best. I mean, he just went straight I into boxing. That. It I need, was so I need good. To to that. I it was so that. good. The TV wasn't as good. The uh, I forget even which broadcast it was, but it, it was getting highlighted and right after Anderson that. is suspended for six games versus Ramirez is three. And yeah, <laughs> he got I, took I, the brunt I, on both ends. I know it's not the reason, <laughs> but I would like to think because he lost, he got suspended more. Um, uh, yeah, you got to check out that radio call. It was really good. Uh, it was it was all over my Twitter uh, X feed, Twitter, it's Twitter feed. Um, I'm not calling it X. Um, 
All right. Well, we got that stuff knocked out. I wanted to mention that fight there because I didn't have to come back to it. We got some big other stories, just major stories. Let's go to the soccer. Um, I woke up at 5 a.m. to watch that game. You did too, right? Or close to it. I mean, you were watching that game. Yeah, I was up. You know what? I The biggest frustration I have of all of it, other than you know post-game comments from other people that are bizarre to me, um, I take issue with the producer of this <laughs> television show of covering a soccer game because that, and, and if you don't know, USA women, we've been talking about them. They lost. They're out of the World Cup. They goes down to penalty kicks, and that ball hits the goalie. We've had our chances before that to win it, knock it out, but it goes to the goalie. She throws her hand up makes a stop, it goes up in the air, she swats at it again, she stands up adamantly like it did not go in, it did not go in, and, and she's a great player, so you, you're quick to believe her, plus being a U.S. fan, <laughs> so obviously I, I want her to be right. So then Fox is just showing the players' reactions to this, that people arguing with the referee, we're not seeing any kind of replay, I think it was a total two minutes, we don't see a replay. And I'm just sitting there like, are we getting just hosed here or is what's this review going to show like every other review I feel like we instantly see the play in question and we can start making our own judgment we hear the announcers you know say their judgments from what they're saying and we don't see it all of a sudden the official waves her arms to end the game a little confusing for me the non soccer watcher of all time just waves her arms not you know there's no hands up that it's good or or count it or you know any kind of thing it just game's over so oh that means that was a goal okay I got you and then after that we I'm still waiting and we finally see a pre a review of the and I see it and it's kind of how I feel about the whole world cup in general for the U.S. women at this point we got knocked out like that ball went in. We lost the game. And I just walked up and I was like, fair enough. Like, I, now that I've seen it, I'm not happy about it. But, like, that ball went in. It's over. I, I just, like, spent two minutes wondering if we're getting cheated or what they're reviewing or what's it going to show. So when I finally see it, I just say, okay, I'm, I'm satisfied that the outcome is true. And I move on. And, and, like I say, that highlights the whole thing. We never played good in this World Cup. That's what we've talked about week after week in this. Like, we, I liked how we played early in that game better than I've seen us play the entire World Cup. Uh, you know, while this, maybe in the lead-ups we were better. But in these four games, the first half of this last game, I thought was the best. And we were aggressive when we were really pushing the issue. Um, I, I liked it. It didn't result in goals. We ended up losing the game. We lost to, what, the third best team in the world or something like that? This is a game that should have happened later. And because we didn't take care of business, we're facing this kind of opponent now and instead of a semifinal or a final. And so we put ourselves in this place. We didn't play good enough. We didn't deserve to be higher. We keep kind of trying to make the phrase of, like, we're not playing up to our potential. No, I just don't think we were as good as we thought we were. And I, I have issues with certain people on the field for only the reason of their skill on the field at the age that they are. That's the only reason I was throwing criticism towards people. And they didn't come up big in this game either. And so it just, it just reiterated, okay, I guess that's who we are. Like, we continue to play these older players that are in their fourth World Cup that I thought we had better talent available than what that. 
when they played in the first game, I was like, okay, we're up three nothing. I get why they're coming in. But every other game, we're still we're still seeing. So I, it's that's who we are, and that's and we didn't deserve. We're not the best team in the world. We've proven that right now. Um. Yeah, there's a lot. Um. Yeah. So how as I view a, it. Yeah, as a person who did get up at five a.m., I did. Um. <laughs> I. I, I thought this was the best game we've played all tournament. Sure. I, I thought we played better I'm in this you. game than we did the Vietnam match. Absolutely. Um, certainly better than the Netherlands and Portugal Absolutely. match. Absolutely. Um, well, we only scored one goal between those three games. We scored three in the first game, one goal since. Yeah. And finishing and scoring goals was a problem. And I, I think... <sighs> Alex Morgan should have been out there. She should have been playing. But, but I heard a lot of great points today on listening to podcasts uh, that have been released since that match on Sunday. And, you know, they were talking about, you know, you have Sophie Smith, who's so sp- quick and speedy. And maybe you put her in the middle and put Alex Morgan on one of the wings. Or maybe you put Trinity Rodman in the middle and put Alex Morgan on I liked Morgan her. On I thought she wings. played well. But to keep, to keep the front three in the spot they are when – None of them scored a goal right. since the Vietnam match. Right. What are you doing? And even in that game, the undertone was they didn't score as many goals as they should have against the team. Right. Like this. Right. Um, I, I just, I, I don't understand. And I do think, you know, the coach, when asked, said, you know, it would be selfish of, to be worried about my job uh, right now at this time. It would be selfish to speculate on that when we should be focusing on these players and the great careers they've had and blah, 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 which is the right thing to say. But to be fair, like, I, I don't think he should be back. I, I think, yeah, you know, again, I'm and at the risk of John Angelos coach. calling Podbean and trying to get our podcast taken down, <laughs> I'll, I'll just say some facts. Um, this is the earliest exit the U.S. women have ever had at a Women's World Cup. They've always been to the semifinal, at least, in the third place game. Yeah. Um, but I... I Watching that match, you kind of felt like, oh, we're going to score here and we're going to win. And it never came. And then late in that match, what was confusing to me was you're taking Alex Morgan out, who is your team's designated penalty taker, if there's a penalty to be taken during a match in the first 90. You take her out. When it's painfully obvious this match is getting ready to go to penalty kicks. And you put in a player who has not really touched the ball. And I was like, okay, that's odd. I wouldn't have done that. Hope it does. And I, I literally, watching the game by myself at 5 a.m., said out loud uh, for the no people who could hear me, hope that doesn't come back to haunt us. And, yeah. and it did. And, again, like watching the We have the our goalie kicks, taking our sixth penalty shot. That's when, that. when I saw yeah. that, I was like, don't feel great that they, they – that's this early. That's supposed to be like the last yeah. person. And she hammered it home. Time. I'll give her credit. Oh, to the roof. I was terrified after watching two people before sky it, which I'll go back to that, right? Like, <sighs> you're ahead in the penalties. Your goalie, Sweden has sent one over the bar, and your goalie made a spectacular save. Yeah. When, when Sweden's player went it over the bar, Megan Rapino comes up in my head. I'm like, okay, just on target. Over the goal. Yeah, make them save it. Can't have that. Make them save it. 
Your goalie bails you out with a spectacular save. Then your young star, uh, Sophia Smith, comes up. Yeah. Skies it. Yeah. And I was like, in my head, I was like, you guys, you that's literally the one thing you can't do. If the goalie saves it, good on her. Yeah. She's beat you. Right. But when you put it not even on target where the goalie can literally not be there and it's still not going in, yeah. that's where you fail. Yeah, this is and, fumbling the snap behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, this is you're doing nothing. And, and it's it's harder for me to get on O'Hara, who ends up missing the one that costs us Jeez. officially. But that's her first touch of the match. Absolutely. Hadn't touched the ball the entire match because, again, she comes in two minutes before right. the, the penalty kicks. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is – and I can hear – I can hear everyone else watching the game go, what are you doing? Yeah. Because every expert will tell you, if you are in the final minutes before a penalty shootout, the last thing you do is start subbing people on. Yeah. Because those people will not be game ready, and you're going to go up to them and say, hey, uh, I know this is the first time you've touched the ball probably all match. Uh, go ahead and shoot this to see if you score. Yeah. And he got the away world, with it. He got the away world with depends it. on it. Yeah, one of the players he did that with, he got away with it, and she scored. And I'm telling you, the first – Two, and then the one, the other ones that scored, they were lasers. I mean, they were pinpoint precision penalties. And then Sweden's players had some pinpoint precision penalties too. And the if you didn't see it, I will say this. I've watched a lot of soccer. I have never seen a match in that way. The it, goalie saves it, but it goes straight up. And when it goes up, I was like, oh, thank God it's going to go out. Yeah. But then it falls behind her. She gets up, scrambles to she did all she could. It looked like she saved it, but... It, it does just cross the line. And I will say this. I, I, this now we're going to get into things you said. Um, <laughs> I said when you were talking about the producer, to be fair to the TV producer, that Hawkeye technology, the way FIFA handles it, is not amazing. Um, they, it's not readily available to media. Show me anything. Yeah, show me no, the same the angle, view I had again. The angle they didn't they do showed, that. The, the angle they showed at the end, I was like, I would have loved to see that angle earlier because I maybe would have known how this was going to go. Instead, I'm literally getting a shot at the referee. Absolutely. Like, no, that's what I'm yelling about. I'm saying the same thing. Like, I'm like, I am. I feel like I am one of the players. Show me any and, replays. And to your other point, when the referee starts like the incomplete kind of motion for football, I'm like, oh, no goal. Awesome. No, and then but it's she, game over. She goes, she goes like this twice and then points, which is the signal for a goal. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah, it and was crazy. And then she does it again. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. Yes. And then she starts to you walk You watch away. this all sport all the yeah. time, and you're confused. I w- I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah, oh. And then I see the Sweden player screaming and running away, celebrating. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we lost. Yeah. <laughs> That's when it hit me, like. Oh, crazy. And then, you know, they show a few more minutes of the goalie screaming, saying, no, it wasn't in, it wasn't in. And then they show the Hawkeye technology, and you do. I mean, it's a millimeter, a millimeter over the line, which is a heartbreaking way to lose. And and the goalie, you know, saying in in the postgame, when she finally got to see it, I guess, you know, like, it's a really heartbreaking way to lose by literally a millimeter your, your World Cup ends. And... I hated that because I obviously, you know, I'm rooting for Team USA. I want to see them win. Yeah. Um, but we got beat. But, but we, we got did beat. Get beat. And we got put in that match because, as you said, we didn't play. We got beat. We didn't play. If we had played that caliber of match 
in the Portugal match Absolutely. or in the Netherlands match. We'd have won the group. I think we would have won the group. We'd have played at 9 o'clock the night before. We would have played uh, 10 p.m. Just excuse me. Sorry. We would have played at 10 p.m. <laughs> the night before <laughs> against against South Africa, who we would have blitzed. Yeah. And we would be in the quarterfinal yeah. getting ready to take on, I believe they're going to play night. But we England, didn't. But, but we didn't. And, and so that's like we had four instances to prove me prove me different and we can make a good story in the last and one I've in got, a game we lost but the other thing, like we showed more of what of that we aren't as good as we think we are but we got beat and so I I can accept that I like I'm not happy about it I hate it yeah. but we got beat like when and you I'm, get when you get beat you get beat I'm not saying that Sweden loses to Japan in their next match because I that's going to be a fantastic match yeah, I think good. I think yeah. the winner of the women's world cup comes out of that match um, but if we played the match we did against Sweden, we would lose to Japan. Japan looks great. Yeah. Japan's playing a very, very good tournament. And, uh, I, I just, when I watch this team play sometimes in this tournament, I was just like, I, I don't yeah. get it. We're not, we're not finishing. We're not making changes. Yeah. We're just kind of like run it back. And for a team that allegedly has all this talent and, and depth, we just I, to not use it seems odd. I it seems weird to me. I and thought this was gonna be the refresh here. I you know I was I watched women's soccer. I've watched the women's World Cup for a long time. I, I watched uh, Mia Hamm and Jessica Chastain. I watched that. I watched uh, Wombach. I watched. I've watched all this. I, you know I've watched every women's World Cup since the nineties, and I was ready for the refresh button. And there was a couple people of that, but it's still felt too influenced by the old ways. I like the goalie. I like her. I, I, I don't know. I'm ready for the refresh button and, and get this new energy in there. And then I think this, this helps make that go easily. We're not getting some of those old players back either way. Even if we sure. go out and win this World Cup, we're still going to lose those players. But it's just time to move on and, and have the, a younger fusion of talent. And, and I think, you know, I'm of two minds. One, I, I think this team is... Interesting in a lot of ways. This is a team that has done a lot, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch. Absolutely. And a lot of great has, things. has gotten a lot of attention. They got equal pay for these players that absolutely deserve it. Well, in the U.S. Federation, the other federations are... That's going to be a thing that comes to a head here. FIFA's going to have to get involved probably, and that's going to be well, a whole... As long as we're doing thing. what we can to be right, I'm, but, I'm pleased. Um, and, and there have been a lot of issues that have gotten them criticism from people for things that have nothing to do with soccer. It's mostly people who don't watch soccer um, for the most part. Um, But uh, so you have that, but you also have some people who I think, and look, to be fair, if we're going to treat them equally, the players do deserve some of this blame. They did not play well enough. They did not play up to the standard that we have come to expect from the United States women's national team. Now, with that being said, are some of these other countries far better than they were even yeah, four years ago? Yeah, some of the story is yes. that. Some of the story, some of is, the story that. is that. But at the end of the day, we are the U.S. women's national team. We have more depth than any of these other countries could ever dream of. You have to be better. Yeah. Now, some of that is the style of play. We didn't pass in this tournament nearly enough. Did not. It was a lot of hero ball, one-on-one. And you saw that even some in the Sweden match where players are waiting too long to make the pass. And you get up there and you're like, Got to pass. Got to pass. You got the player running. Got to pass. Got to pass. Got to pass. And they wait, and the defender takes it off of them, or they wait too long, and then they try to pass it, and it's too late, and it gets intercepted. It's just – that's frustrating. 
Then you also have the side of, and I, we, I touched on this last week, and I think it's just true. The way we develop soccer players in this country is capitalism. And I like a lot of things about capitalism. I don't like sports capitalism. And the reason for that is your best players are never going to be from the richest families. That's just never going to be the case. If you think that, then you are woefully misinformed. You are a John Angelos level of incompetent. <laughs> and honestly, John Angelos might as well be running U.S. <laughs> soccer because it's run about as well as the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. And when you have this pay-to-play scheme, for your best players to go to these all these travel tournaments, and you look at the parents are like, okay, you got to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for your child to succeed and get a chance to play for the U.S. national team. I, and to prove my point, when you watch the NBA, when you watch the NFL, when you watch Major League Baseball, for the most part, are these people who come from very well-to-do families? Not really. I see a lot of ESPN inside stories on the rough life of so-and-so. Oh, the MLB going in the Dominican Republic and finding the kid playing stickball. You hear those stories all the time. But that's how other countries recruit their players. They have academies, and they go. the academies go to these localities. They find kids, and they say, hey, we would like to invite you to come to school. Here, we'll cover your schooling. You play soccer for us. And that's how they train them. They improve. You're seeing that Spain – yeah, there, there's, a, there's a way you can get better. too far with that. You can be China and get way too far with that, where you enslave the people and make I'm them not, athletes, and then, and then if they that. don't cut it. So, like, there's a middle ground in there somewhere we got to keep it within. But, yeah, I, I think soccer, I don't know. Like, like, people have bought into it. It's not just – it's not like U.S. soccer sitting there like, well, we love this way. Like – these parents have done that. Like these parents have chosen to push their kids through soccer rather than other sports at some point. Like, but how many better players could you have if you did not have that model? Yeah. I, how many players like have in to baseball, be we have the best baseball player. Like we, we have like, we own the world series. I no one else has football, but baseball is played in other countries. I would still consider that we have the best baseball basketball. We're getting caught up to, but, like, are those sports not the same? Like, I would basketball say, AU tournaments are a pretty popular thing. I would say, well, those are different. Baseball, um, American-produced baseball players. Like, we don't, I, I we're would not say doing this. baseball's a little bit different. I would also say it's arguable that we don't have the best players in the world. I would say Japan, the Dominican Republic. Um, if we actually got to see a, a representative Cuban national team instead of players who haven't left Cuba for – the United States. Yeah, okay. I think that team would be a lot better. Okay. So, Rico, so, so then like, we need to be, well, the, this model that you're talking about, then we should be applying it to all sports then. Yes, I, I do. I yeah. would. I, I think anytime. Football's the, the only one we're is, safe in. The difference is, right, <laughs> like U.S. baseball as an organization, whether it's good or not, doesn't matter. What are we, we're playing for the Olympics. We almost never make the Olympics in baseball. Um, well, they just brought it back. Um well, even when we had it, we weren't very good at it. So uh, it's just not something we care about. Basketball. We care. We care, but it's different. And I know you're saying AAU tournaments can be expensive, and that's true. 
but also you don't have to be an AAU kid to make it, right? And there's these private schools that we talk about. and That are expensive. They are, but those kids get scholarships. I don't know how. I'm, I'm not sold yet. I'm not sold on how basketball is any different than soccer and what you're saying. Those kids get scholarships. Uh, okay. Okay. Or they play at a public school, and then some coach finds them and says, hey, in the AAU circuit, if you talk to anybody, we'll tell you, that is a shady, shady business going on there. And you don't know how some of those kids get recruited to AAU teams and who pays what and who's paying who. But then you also have the sneaker companies come in when they get to the college level and say, hey, we'll pay this kid this much money to come here to this particular yeah, school. So we're breaking into like bigger, bigger socioeconomic stuff that we're talking about then. I, I don't know. I, I just I don't think when it takes country club level wealth to play at some of these soccer circuits, I don't think your best soccer players are going to come from there. I no. just don't. And, and how many kids choose another sport, like on the men's side, like basketball? On the women's side, like softball or something else, because I just can't afford to play at this high level of competition in this sport. In women's sports, I, I, heartbreakingly to say, there's, there's fewer options. So, yeah. it, well, I mean, I, we, we benefit because other countries are worse to their women than we are, shockingly. <laughs> but that's catching up, right? That's like catching England, up. England is invested yeah. in a women's super yeah, league. Yeah, Germany's been and, good. And now and the, the NWSL had been the best league in the world. It's quickly not becoming the case. Yeah. These other countries, Spain, England, yeah, uh, they're starting to invest and say, you know what? We could, we could get those players to come over here. Yeah. And then if they come over here, the women in our country who already love this sport will see them. That'll be their heroes. They'll see them playing. Yeah. Our players who then play awesome. against them yeah. all year now will have that competition to make them better. It's like in the NBA when the players come over here, play with our best, and then go back over there, and all of a sudden they're catching up. Now, yeah. U.S. basketball is still miles and miles ahead. But then the then the bulk of the other team. I mean, there's, yes. what, uh, what is it, Argentina that's catching up and France is getting there. I mean, they're like yeah. some individual teams are getting closer. But, yeah, I mean. They're also – usually that's a 20-point game instead of a 40-point game. Like yeah. sometimes it's a 10-point game. But if we actually sent our best players, it definitely would be. <laughs> but I just think the way the way we have allowed this organization, and again, it, it goes down. Again, this is the problem with like capitalism in sports. It's about how much, how can we make the most money, instead of how can we field the best team. Well, speaking of how can we make the most money, let's talk to the about probably the biggest topic of this last week weekend. Um, as I'm not going to get towed, am I? No, that's not, a, that's not a tow truck. That's a fire truck or an ambulance. Um, all right. So They're coming the, here to get me John Angelo's call. The biggest money grab that's been going on. And, and I'm not going to say it's been happening this weekend. It's been happening since the Big East got bigger and added football teams. That's when this all started. Early 90s when the Big East added teams. We've seen conferences destroyed. And now we finally see the Pac-12 is what it's called now, but the 
Pacific Conference that's existed forever and had story programs like USC, UCLA, Stanford, um, Cal and Washington have gotten to high ranks. Great schools, and that, that conference has been absolutely dismantled. They're down to four teams because USC, UCLA, a year ago, announced they were leaving. And then, what was it? Five teams left this weekend. Uh, we had Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State go to the Big 12. And the big money movers were Oregon and Washington going to the Big 10. And it, this, isn't, this isn't the icing on the cake. This isn't the cherry on top because there's going to be more. But this is more of that major shift. And um, it's killed this Pac-12 conference. And so we will never see it like it is again. And uh, I feel like a little boy watching the fire truck. I'm, excited. I'm interested in what it's going on. So, yeah, we took a, a short little break there because there was too many uh, <laughs> yeah, flashing too many lights, lights going outside. on. And once the police and the fire department and the ambulance show up and they're parked outside your place, you're like, oh. hey, when we get in the same room for a podcast, you know, everybody wants to be here. <laughs> yeah. So I'm getting into conference realignment. It's crazy. But it's been going on forever, so we can't just, you know, clutch our pearls and act shocked. This is a continuation of what we've been dealing with. And I will start this whole conversation with, I hate it, but also it's not going to make me stop watching college football because I love college football. It's just, you know, any arguments you want to make that um, when these institutions say, hey, we need to worry about the student athletes here and do what's best for them and paying them isn't the right dynamic. We're education-based and blah, blah, blah. That you can't, you guys can't say that anymore. Like, you got to acknowledge we're making a whole lot of money. All the decisions we make are based on money. So, these kids wanting money, uh, we just don't want to do it. Like, that needs to become the new argument because uh, it's just a huge money grab. So, I, I hate this. We're getting, you know, these are the steps towards the two big conferences, and everybody's in those. It's going to be the AFC and NFC at some point, and you're going to play each other in the Super Bowl of, of college at the end. I think. My best solution to help like resolve some of this at this point is just let football do this. Just just like the football teams are doing this. And then get these old conferences back together for all the other sports. Cause it it can't be good to have UCLA and Rutgers playing a Wednesday night game in college basketball and any other sports that we want to talk about. Like football, the once a week, weekend travel. You're going to miss class on Friday, but other than that, okay. And the, and the kids can probably adjust. But midweek travel across country, and maybe there's some scenario they say, well, we're going to limit those to weekends and blah, blah, blah. That's going to be crazy. You're never going to hold to that 100%. And then what's your line? And, and these West Coast teams are automatically having to travel further than the East Coast teams. So then it's uneven. What are we talking about then? So uh, at some point, I, I think these sports that play during the week, the sports that play multiple times in a week, we got to – I have no problem with just separate football out into its own thing. And then let's get back to like regional conferences, like it should be like it's been forever. That's produced good results across college sports. And not that football hasn't also in that way, but we we've already bit the bullet on that and it's going that direction. All these decisions are making on football. Just let football go do its own thing. Let these schools make huge amounts of money because of football. I'm not trying to ruin that, but like, I just don't think, across the board, this is what's best for the student athletes or these schools uh, athletically. So I, that's, I, I don't see why football just can't separate into its own thing. 
yeah, there's a lot there. Uh, and, and I think you have a lot of good points on that. Um, I, I, my takeaway was, and I've listened to a lot of podcasts on this too. Sure. Um, and one of the points they brought up is, um, right now we're talking about additions. And we want to bring so-and-so into the fold. And we want to bring so-and-so into the fold. And we yeah, when do they drop Rutgers? Yeah. And that's the thing. He was like, look, the Vanderbilts, the Northwesterns, the Indianas, the Rutgers, like, we're all celebrating, right? Look at us. We got a seat at the table. How lucky are we? At what point is there so- another gym, yeah. You're a the weakest thing, link, goodbye. Yeah. And they look at you and go, you know what? We can't afford another team to eat into this money. Yeah. So we got to make room. And it's time to trim the fat. Yeah. And I, honestly, it's gotten to the point where I absolutely would forget about non-conference games. Just yeah, have you have a conference, conference? Yeah. Have these conferences be, you know, 20 odd teams, 24 odd 24 teams. 24 in each, yeah. And just do a promotion relegation. College, NCAA, mm. step up and say, this is our league. This is our top league this year. These 24 teams. And this is the secondary league this year of 24 teams. And this is the tertiary league of 24 teams. And this is the fourth level of 24 teams. And so on until you get all everybody who wants to be where they are, having a football program, where you have them there. And then each year, you come up with a number, four Three, whatever you want, go up. Three, go down. And you just move on. And I know part of what makes college sports fun is the regional rivalries, but that's getting eliminated anyway. It's getting, it's getting it eliminated is, anyway. absolutely. And, and I, I just – Yeah, how long did we not problem. play West Virginia? How – how? Uh, yeah, I mean, Florida and Miami and those schools don't, have not always – Yeah, like – yeah. Yeah, I, and here's the thing: if Virginia Tech or UVA gets invited, I don't think they're going to the same conference. Yeah. and who knows if that rivalry stays? Right. And, and honestly, as a Virginia Tech fan, like that's the one game a year that I'm like, all right, this is the rival. This is the one we got to win. Yeah. And I, I know UVA fans feel the same way about Virginia Tech. And yeah, I hate them, but I want to play them. I want to yeah. beat them. I want the opportunity to beat them. And yeah, can, and continue and dominating I just them. Think, yeah. I just think with where we're going, one, I think you're right. I think it's going to get to a point with these other non-revenue sports where they're just going to look around and go, wait a minute. We weren't making money before. Why are we now paying even more in travel Yeah, to make less money? Right. Just let, go, let your football go make the money, and then let's, let's do the rest. And then you can have the old, like, you could have a Big East again. You know, like, you could have that again, and... I don't know. Now they're shining a light on your apartment. <laughs> this is weird. Um, so the other thing that's weird over here, as we're recording, we see the ACC, and there's plenty of talk to talk about the ACC. The first one I'll talk about now: Stanford and Cal. There's going to be discussions about Stanford and Cal joining the ACC. I, if you do this, if you if the ACC is ahead of anything ever, which they have never been, other than. They've never been ahead on anything. They're always behind. They could have gotten a chunk of Pac-12 and had some kind of Western division or some version. Now it's all gone. You can't do that. Like, there's four teams over there. You don't even have teams midway across the the country to put with them. Like, 
that that's not a good solution either. And so I don't want that. I, Stanford's going to land somewhere. Stanford is going to land somewhere, and I think they're going to pull Cal with them. Oregon State and, and uh, Washington State, State might I don't know be left in the cold to yeah. a degree. Uh, Utah has maneuvered perfectly. I mean, they went they go where the iron is hot at the right times. Um, Colorado hasn't maneuvered perfectly, but they're staying alive. The only credit I'll give the ACC to a degree is that that with their grant of rights deal that they did and all that, that is completely handcuffing them now. At least they're not the first. They're not the Pac-12 at this point. They did not get obliterated this last week like the Pac-12 has. And they think they can wait until 2036 until they get obliterated. Florida State's trying to say different. But I will give the ACC credit. They found a way not to be the first power, power, power. I know we've lost the Big East in the past. We always thought it was going to be the Big 12 to die first. The Pac-12 died first, and because of their own messes, and they never got a network together. They couldn't even get on TV these last couple years. So, like, they did this to themselves. The ACC did better than them on that. But, you know... You always, you're getting chased by a bear. You want to be faster than you're running against. Well, they're only like second slowest. <laughs> like <laughs> the slowest already got ape up, but now the bear is going to be on their heels. And Florida State showing them that. Florida State saying, hey, everybody, we don't love it around here. Come talk to us. You know, like. Also, do you have lawyers? Yeah. Like, and, and that's going to be what the ACC is going to be decided in a courtroom. Absolutely. Because. If Florida State gets out of that grand rights deal, everybody does. Then it's a jailbreak. Yeah. It, everyone who has any semblance of college athletics care is going to be on the phone calling the SEC or the Big Ten or the Big 12. Yeah. And there, it's going to be a mad dash. Oh, but you're calling the Big Ten and the SEC first. You're calling them Those first. are your first calls. And then Those you're... are your first calls. But honestly, the Big 12 has added West Virginia. The Big 12 has added UCF. The Big 12 has Utah, added Cincinnati. Arizona, Arizona State in this last week. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, the Big 10 has Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA. So, I, I'm telling you, if it if it gets to 24, right, which is what it looks like it's going to eventually yeah. race to is 24, yeah. the Big 12 is going to want to have 24 too. And yeah. at that point, it, you're, you'll take – You, you want to be in one of them. You want to be in one of those three. Yeah. And, and so – I, I just, I foresee. But no one's volunteering to get out of the SEC or the Big Ten. No. Every other I, conference, people have voluntarily left. I, I heard a thing today, and I was like, great point. It was like, the Big Ten, today it's the Pac-12. And maybe tomorrow it's the ACC. And maybe then it's the Big 12. It just depends on wins tomorrow, yeah. But he said, there could be two conferences. Yeah, that's what I was saying. And I, I, and the guy I was listening to was saying, I still wouldn't pet it past the Big Ten to find an SEC school who's not happy and say, you know, our schools make more money. Well, like Missouri or something? Like, who or you get it? Florida. And say, you know, we'd really like to have that footprint in Florida. See, that's why I think they'll go after, like, a Miami. Hey. That, that I, I do think the Big Ten will get into Florida. I, I'm, not, I'm not doubting that there will be some overlap of these conferences, significant overlap, not just within a state or right along the Mason-Dixon line. I'm not saying that, but I do think it'll be the bulk of it will be north versus south at some point, and you're just the winner of that one's going to play the winner of that one. And I, I just want to make sure we're in one of them. I, I, 
That's why I want to. <laughs> that's why I want Whit Babcock calling the SEC or Big Ten first. I'd rather be in the SEC for whatever reason, but I want to be in one of them. That's for darn sure. Yeah, but in uh, his overall point was more of a: this is a team, or this is a conference that has absolutely taken from the ACC. It's taken from the Big Twelve. It's taken from the Pac twelve. At what point do they look? Yeah. At what point do they look at the SEC and be like? I like that. I yeah. want that. And and it becomes a thing. And he said, because at, at a certain point, the thing that has held some of these conferences together is the geographic locations, the geographic rivalries. Yeah. But now that's gone. And now it's just about money. And I he don't said, get how... At what, point, at what point do you just look and say, you know what? Screw it. We, we're going to go. If you're a school... What point do you look at it and just say, you know what, screw it. If if they'll take us, we'll go where the more money is. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Now, Florida isn't the first team I would think of for that, but okay, I I would see them definitely attacking the Florida AC school ACC schools first, Florida State. And, sure, and but Miami. in this scenario, yeah. it's yeah. just yeah those two conferences left. Yeah, no, I that's where we're going. I fully believe that. I think the Big Twelve and the ACC will die at some point. If the Pac twelve can die. Anybody, anybody other than the SEC and Big Ten can die. And, yeah, it'll eventually die. i just rather it get formed like I let off with. It get kind of just formed into a football-only thing because I, I just don't – I don't see this, the attractiveness of this across the other sports. Yeah, I, I, I For agree. football, it's I great, and it makes for great Saturdays. We're going to see a lot of good games, and there's going to be, you know, from noon to midnight, there's going to be good games everywhere. But, yes. Yes, but if they're all playing within conference, because I think they'll get to that where they're not playing any non non-conference, and that's they'll fine. have all the teams to choose from within their conference, and that's fine. And it's gonna it's good because like when some schools you know struggle to find a game, and it's like yeah, you know, not everybody's lining up to play Alabama. Like you're gonna have to. You're in the conference. You're gonna play them, and you're gonna be on a rotation. And you're gonna get them, and there's it's gonna well, make for a now, lot of good games. This is the other thing, right? Now that the pack, the Pac-12 is. All but officially dead. I, I saw this and I hadn't thought about this. What is, what are they going to do that playoff? Yeah, it's a power. Yeah, they, they got to adjust. It was. They got to adjust that. playoff. No, one of, well, Pac-12, one of those four six, teams get in. <laughs> top six conference champions. <laughs> the top six ranked conference champions. And... <laughs> And six at larges. Yeah. Ain't no way they're letting two G five. No, they're gonna have thing. to correct that. There's gotta be a qualifying no number of teams in your conference or something. Which again, at this point, I'm like, well, if we're just gonna kill conferences, yeah. If we get down to eight, why can't we have every conference in? And then four at larges? Yeah. The regular season matters in college football. That would make it matter. Yeah. And 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 I hear you on the there's gonna be great games every Saturday, and this is going to be great. We're going to see some great games. And I agree to that to an extent, but as we go further into the future, someone's going to be the new Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt will be even lower than what they are. Yeah. And, and like, this is when I say Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. I'm like, okay. You couldn't win the Big 12. I, I don't know. I don't know what success lies ahead for you in the SEC. I, USC and UCLA, you weren't winning the Pac-12. What makes you think that success is coming your way in the Big Ten? Like, 
I just, I don't know. And honestly, Stanford, Cal, maybe you could win the ACC. I don't know. The ACC sucks outside of Clemson. But, yeah, I mean, the ACC, like I said, their their future right now sits in the hands of lawyers. Absolutely. And that grant of rights. And if the ACC adds teams, maybe then they can go to someone else and say, we would like to renegotiate this bleepity <laughs> TV deal. And I, I've thought through that because I said this a couple weeks ago. I don't, I don't see what ESPN like. It doesn't seem to make sense to me that ESPN would want the ACC to be broken apart, and they own but at the, same the ACC. Time, ESPN and they is put them there, a, making money hand over fist with this right now. They're making it with, they're making it on the ACC back as well as what they're doing with the SEC. That, that's the problem with all this. Is ESPN is the thing killing everything. The ESPN, the networks, and everything are the ones killing it. ESPN, the front runner of it. CBS and NBC and Fox have their own fault too, just the same as ESPN. Just ESPN is more of the magnet for the blame. I that's what's killing it. it that I, but I, in the same breath, I don't understand how, in the long term, killing the ACC is better for ESPN. I don't know why they don't. They are not going to voluntarily rework that contract. I just would want to rework. Like, since we're going to the two conferences, I'd just stay in control of it. Of, like, we want these teams in the ACC, the specific ones, not all of them. We want these teams to go to the SEC. You're going to go now. We'll break up the thing so you guys can go, and we'll, be, we'll have this perfect SEC down here. We're going to handpick these teams we want and do it so the teams we don't want can go away. Like, when you talk about people getting disinvited – I don't see why ESPN just doesn't manage that out of the ACC and kind of complete the Southern Conference to what the how they want it. Yeah, but but right now, instead of letting the lawyers start figuring out and and, oh, and being, I think ESPN is going to be ESPN will send lawyers to the ACC. ESPN <sighs> might pay legal fees for the ACC to stay together to win that, to win yeah. that case because right now, as it stands, you, the SEC you're paying the SEC what you're paying the SEC. That's been decided. And you'll pay them more next time, too. And next time, it's going to be even more expensive. Yep. Right now, until 2036, yeah. you are paying the ACC pennies on the dollar. Yeah. So you're going to keep – and for a company that lays off people because money is tight at ESPN, the last thing you want to do – they're probably trying to convince the ACC, you don't need to expand. Mm-mm. Don't do that. Because at one time I thought there was someone that said if the ACC adds a team that affects the grant of rights or something. And now if it does, I don't know why they'd even be talking. I was going to say, if it does, the ACC better shut up. If, if it does, <laughs> that is yeah. a big time gamble. Because the only other, the only team as, as the only team, that I like Stanford and Cal. Like I get what you're saying. Notre Dame's the only one that's worth yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Oh gosh. If Notre Dame's not part of that, Notre package, Dame's the only one. You don't touch it. Yeah, you're like you look. You just look around and be like, you know what? We know this thing's gonna die, but we're gonna play violins while this ship sinks. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah, we're gonna last as long as we can. And if I'm the ACC commissioner, I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna turn down this paycheck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I I sat down with the committee of me, myself, and I, and I decided that I like my job. <laughs> like, no, thank you. Uh, because if it, yeah, the second that affects the grain of rights, I absolutely would. That's the only thing that's kept them together this long. And it's the only thing that's uh, Florida State, again, every podcast I listen to says their legal analysts have told them that puppy is ironclad. Yeah. 
and there is Florida State can want to get out of it, yeah. but they ain't getting out of it yeah. without a big-time price tag of losing your TV rights. Hey, and I mean, that. you know, to signal the end of all the alignment would be a Florida State move. Because if, if Florida State moves out of the ACC, that means the ACC's dying, and we're getting a lot closer to the bigger thing. And the second Clemson moves, ACC's Miami kind moves. of on the front side of all this when they went to the ACC in, what, 1993 or whatever? What about the Big East? That Florida State went to the ACC. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. That was kind of the front end of this, and then shortly after that is when the Big East blew up with teams to become a more football-centric conference which for a while worked as good basketball and football and none of those two teams were the same and then finally it split but Florida State was kind of on the front side of the major shifts um I know there used to be eight teams in a lot of these conferences in the in the Pacific in the big in the (laughs) the ACC only had eight uh so yeah it's it's something it's a kind of a full circle is what we're on our way to um and here we are with Florida State again and I think that honestly the the way this thing is going again, I, I they're never going to do it. But I would just appreciate it's a it's a different governing body. The NCAA is probably not yeah. involved in this. Let football go. Just let it go and yeah. have them. And then these aren't officially businesses. I would like for a commissioner to come in and say, you know what, all the we have all these schools who have football programs. We're going to let them all have a shot. you got to work your way up. These are our favorites. These are our crown jewels. You're in the top. But by God, if you don't win, we're, we're replacing you, and we're moving somebody else up because that's how we get the most money is yeah. we have the best 20 teams or the best 24 teams in our league, and they play each other, yeah, it, and then we have a playoff. Notice I didn't argue with you on that. I, I don't think it will happen. But I don't I, think it will either, <laughs> but that would be that would be. No weird. one's going to want to be at risk. Like There's too many – yeah. Sure, and, but and it's there's too often with these conference realignments where you know we're coming, but we're going to bring them with us, and and, and UVA might have done that for us at one point, and it looks like Stanford's going to do that with Cal probably at some point here. And there's been these instances. If you start having relegation, you don't the buddy system doesn't work anymore, and that's not American uh, politics. <laughs> when you don't no, have a good old boy system or whatever you call I, it in the north, yeah. I mean it's you, you don't have that anymore. No one's going to agree to it. No one's going to want to have that risk. But I, I just – and this is why, like, when people start complaining about the portal or, you know, NIL or whatever, and they're like, oh, these kids care Schools about money. Schools are on I'm the like, portal. Look, they have learned it from the people that yeah. they are playing for. Yep. Like, the Utah, I was been in the portal last the last week. They stopped answering the phone calls. <laughs> yeah, and then and then all of a sudden, once that meeting on Friday morning yeah. happened, and they were like, "Oh, the TV deal is we don't have a TV deal." Yeah, cool. Hello, Big Twelve. Sorry, we got a new phone. Yeah, uh, like yeah, that was. Which I mean, I've heard some crazy stories about how the Pac-10 or Pac-8 almost didn't exist because the Stanford and Cal's were worried about adding Arizona and Arizona state at the time. And the way the pack eight had their before it was TV deals, it was ticket revenue. And the way the pack eight had their agreement was when you had a home game, that revenue got split 50, 50 with the road team. Wow. And so for USC, they're like, we're going to Stanford and Cal, and nobody goes to those games. 
Yeah. People go to the Sun to Sun Devil Stadium to watch the Sun Devils, and they go to Arizona to watch the Wildcats. We're bringing them in because that's money. Other than when we go to Pullman, Pullman's getting half our gate, and when we get half of Pullman's gate, it's nothing. Yeah. So they they told the Pac-8 very clearly, if you vote no, because it was needed to be unanimous, and Stanford was one of the holdouts, and they told Stanford, if you vote no, we will leave. Hmm. And so that pressured them into taking wow. Arizona and Arizona State. And but it was funny because the guy was talking on the podcast. He was telling the story. And he goes, and when USC said we will leave, UCLA goes, oh, oh us too, us too. Yeah. Like, I guess. Well, we they have just to leave. did that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, those two are kind of linked together. Absolutely. And, and you're right. At UVA, the, they got us. If in. stories, yeah. if stories hold true, no, they UVA got us pulled, in. pulled Virginia Tech in, and uh, I think that was part of the Miami thing too. Like. We like Miami. We want Miami. And Virginia Tech was probably like, yeah, love it. Um, it, it. To me, when you look at this, it's just – it's heartbreaking to see what it has become because it is very much not what has made college football popular in this country, which is regional rivalries – and the love of the game. Familiarity, I think, Familiarity. has so much value. You and, don't yeah. – we're going to be playing teams. The ACC is playing a lot of the same teams. But we're going to see teams play each other that haven't played each other. We're going to see rivalries that we love disappear. Yeah. And I, I think there is a hit to the popularity at a certain point because the, the long-running joke has been the NFL has a free minor league. And the Absolutely more this thing keeps yeah, now, consolidating, yeah. it is at, it's just a yeah. minor league. Yeah. And Americans don't love minor league baseball. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Some of it is baseball's not as popular as football. But yeah. But I mean, you're still going to have people going to these universities. So, like, you still have an inside road to people caring. And at a lot of these big state universities, like, there's a lot of people cycling through there and people's families that have cycled through there. Like, but at what point? So, that, it'll like, take a long time for that to die. But at what point are certain states just being shut out? I mean, the Northwest is shut out now. I mean, Montana, uh, every uh, Idaho, Montana, everything up there. There's no Division One football team in that area. We already have states that are yeah, but, blacked out. But what I am saying is, like, at what point? Because when you expand, and I, I mentioned this, there's going to be teams that are just a doormat forever. Virginia Tech is not having success now. If Virginia Tech goes to a 48 or 24 team SEC, they will get dog walked on a regular basis. UVA, who does not have success in the ACC, might might have multiple winless seasons in an SEC or a Big Ten where they have no non-conference games. Well, we've been talking about the hope the hope that one of the byproducts of the NIL, as much as there's issues with it, starts evening out the field. I mean, there's there's a lot of different things in this. It's it's hard for me to just write off. But my point, even if, it, even if it's their even if their name isn't UVA or Virginia Tech, at what point is that going to happen to schools where they're just like, you know what, um, we're out. This isn't fun. Like, and the fans check out, and then when those fans check out, that's a hit to that sport. Because right now, 
it's one team per conference, right? There's one team per conference that you can look at and go, never going to be good. Yeah, and football, like in the specific sports, yeah. And so if their fans don't care about college football, okay, we've got 11 other teams or 15 other teams. But when it's 24 and now there's like three or four teams in each conference and you're looking at it and you're like, all right, we're never going to matter. And then it becomes five. And then it becomes six. Because then, that, then, then we'll have you. conference realignment. Well, everybody will go back to eight team conferences. <laughs> well, but that's honestly, I go would back love to that. where we started. Yeah, go back to where we started. I would love that. And I, I, I still think like every time this, this conference realignment thing comes up, I, I sit back and I'm like, man, I miss when we played West Virginia every year. Yeah, that's one that I miss. I'm going to miss not playing Miami every year. And we're still in the same conference as them. Yeah, I, yeah. We're not playing Miami every year. And because we expand and all this stuff, like, yeah, man, I, I wish we played Miami. I, I wish we played, you know, but those Big East days, like West Virginia, Miami. And some of that is, that's when we were good. Yeah. We were good then. And playing some of those teams. Those are the games and even that matter. some of the old, they mattered. Yeah, even some of the, I mean, we played some good non-conference teams then. We played LSU. We played Texas A&M. We played Clemson. Mm-hmm. And now we don't play those teams every year. And I'm like, ah, that kind of sucks. And it is cool to get those different matchups that you're not used to. And the bigger these conferences get, the less likely that you'll have any non-conference games. And that was part and of it, too, so, yeah, right? Like, like when you were a 17 conference yeah. or an 18 conference, you had seven conference games. Yeah. And then you went out and you found five non-conference games. Because it was games. four then, but yeah. Four or yeah. five. Not, yeah. yeah. Most of the time it was 11 it was back four. then. Yeah. yeah. But you find four non-conference games, and they would be different teams every year. And that was fine. Yeah. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed watching us play Marshall or East Carolina or LSU or Texas A&M or Clemson or whoever and going out and playing these big teams. And that was fun. And now that's gone. And you, you look at some of the old rivalries, like West Virginia Pitt. I, mean, I know they've just restarted it, but you got to think if there's another – Round of conference realignment. They'll get broken back up. It's going to get broken yeah. back up. Yep. And and Miami and Florida already don't play. If Miami and Florida State end up in separate conferences and they stop playing, that's going to suck. It's going to suck to see if we don't play UVA. I mentioned that. But Texas like and Texas Nebraska A&M, and Oklahoma is such a big rivalry, and it had It happened. was. Nebraska-Colorado yeah. was a big rivalry, and that died when those two teams went their separate ways. Yeah. And that's a team. <laughs> that's a team that you would consider – the Big Ten not enjoying as much. Nebraska? Yeah. Yeah. I know it's a big old brand, but, like, it hadn't worked. But what have they done? For either one of them. And when it comes to TV money, what do you do? Yeah. I don't know. I, it'll be interesting. And you want to know another one that the SEC looks at? Missouri. Yeah. Missouri is yeah. one that you look at and go, they're, they're the Who wrote of- them in? That's, like, when they came in, I, oh I want to look gosh. back at it. Like, who, who's buddy, like, who's brother-in-law? Ran Missouri and <laughs> But that's one where it's like the meme of the the boy poking the thing with a stick going, What do you do? Yeah. And and that's that's Missouri. Like, what do you do? What do yeah. you do here? What do you bring? Yeah. Nothing? Okay, bye. What is it you say you do here? All right. Well, excuse us, we're gonna go get Florida <laughs> State. Like yeah. it's just because here's the other thing, right? And we talk about the T V networks are doing this. There is a finite amount of money that these TV networks have. 
And maybe the answer is they go to other networks, like Apple. Yeah. That the, was the big rumor, right? That's where the Pac-12, Pac-12 was, gonna was go. going to yeah. go. The lifeboat was Apple Plus. Being on the forefront of... And apparently that lifeboat had some holes in it because the details were we have no details. And Oregon didn't like that. Yeah. And so when Oregon didn't like it, Washington didn't like it. And when they didn't like it, Arizona and Arizona State didn't like it. Yep. So, Arizona's funny. I, I didn't know of this. The Board of Regents for the state control both of those schools' ability to do what they did. So it was like kind of a different dynamic than what these other uh, states deal with. So I thought that was interesting. Um, well, I mean, this is just an update. One thing I found interesting, because everybody's really looking at Florida State right now, for them, like like Oregon and Washington just said, we're leaving in 2024, we'll be in that new conference. For Florida State to do that in the ACC and start the legal battle that that would entail, they have to announce that by August 15th. So this current round of announcements and everything, as far as the ACC is concerned, does have till August 15th to either come to a head or kind of punt for some months, you know, uh, you know okay, now we won't talk about this for eight months, and then and then we'll see. Because they're not going to announce it in October and then be sitting there, not leave until 2025, and no one – there's not going to do that. So just saying that for our listeners, I read that, found it interesting, that in the next week we're going to kind of know if Florida State's leaving in 20, for 20 – or trying to leave for 2024 or not, or if this is going to last longer before that happens. And is that, are we doing that yearly until 2036? I, at some point, they're going to have to have confidence that they can get out of it. So, and yeah. I, don't know how, I don't know how that deal closes out. I don't know if this is like a coach, uh, you know, a coach and their uh, sign, you know, they get fired by a certain time and, and it shrinks every year. I don't know if as we approach 2036, well, it there's something more manageable uh, because you're, it's that – there's twofold of the money they own, and I, I don't want to recite all this. Read, read about it if you really want all the details. But, like, there's the payout to get out, but then there's also the media rights money that you would give up, and that number would definitely shrink. But I don't know if the payout money is different. But either way, from I the article I'm reading, the legal battle is going to be the same in 2035 as it is in 2025. Yeah, but the, the exit fee is not what teams are – Going to it's court the media over. rights that, that the, media the, other, rights. the other conference would own. Yeah. Because Florida State right now, Vanderbilt makes, or Purdue, excuse me, makes three times as much money as Florida State. Uh, I don't think that's right now, but I think that's coming. Well, when the new TV deal starts yeah, yeah, yeah. next year. I think year. that is coming because right now the gap is like $10 million, but the new head's going to be $30 million gap yeah. instantly. And then like shortly after that, it's going to grow and – ACC sitting still, and the SEC has this new deal, and it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So. Well, Purdue is the Big Ten has or Big Ten, Big Ten on the Big Ten that, makes more money than the SEC yeah. even. Yeah, um, but yeah, Purdue when this new TV deal starts will make three times as much money as Florida State does in football, and so I get Florida State not loving that, but that's the part because they're trying to compete they're trying to compete with Alabama not Purdue and right. how this is to do that when Purdue's making three times as much money as them yeah and oh, Aaron Boone got ejected for the sixth time this year that's tied for most in major league baseball good for him he's having a good year um but they uh the the, the thing that's going to court is if they decide if they said tomorrow we are leaving for the big 10 Purdue would not be making three times as much money 
venue under this agreement with the grant of rights, Purdue would be making $90 million more than you because <laughs> all your money is going to the ACC, right. which while that also opens the door, if that grant of rights is held up in court and Florida State says, screw it, they wouldn't. But if they did say, screw it, then the other schools in the ACC get excited. Yeah. Because all of a sudden they're like, hey, this TV deal's got just got better by someone leaving. Yeah. And then they're going to start looking at clips and going, yeah, you guys should go too. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You won't, cowards. Like, <laughs> like, it starts to become a game of chicken then. But yeah, it, right now, I'm telling you that right now, the ACC is a bunch of people staring at each other, waiting to see who blinks. Yeah. But August 15th will be the deadline for someone to blink at this point, is I guess the, the point I wanted to put in there. Yeah, but I mean,. You say that, but what happens if August 16th Florida State says something? From the people that I heard said that that, that's not going to happen. Like, you say it now, or the argument gets pushed six to eight months before it, like, kind of reheats up. And they're not going to make some announcement when the deadline to to leave. Like, like, what all are you battling you're battling – I mean, it's just like another a hurdle. You're, you're creating another hurdle for yourself. And maybe I would need to go back in time and try to look. But I don't – It's an ACC thing, so it's not going to be the same as – but, like, I, I guess when I heard it, I took the impression of, like, they'll be sitting like a dead dog there for an extra year if they, if they do it after August 15. So you wouldn't really say, okay, like you can be talking to everybody behind the scenes. Oh yeah, we're going to do that. Okay, yeah. But then you wait until next spring or even summer and then be like, yeah, we're going to leave the ACC and we'll be there in 2025. You're not going to sit on that information through the fall extra time. So. Yeah, I guess. That's I what s- I was hearing and reading. I, I know, but yeah. I, I guess my, my question to that would be if Florida State tells the Big Ten on August 16th, hey, we want to come. The Big Ten's going to say no? Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to – okay, I don't know. I don't know. That's my question. And I, yeah. I feel like West Virginia – I remember West Virginia during the football season going through some of that with the Big Ten. Yes, and we've seen, we've seen JMU do that. Like, JMU well, we've seen this. I'm season. saying the ACC's August 15th deadline is different than what we've seen in other cases, and that means something in this, but, this puzzle. To me, that's more of a, like, if we're adding somebody, we'll do it by August 15th, wouldn't you think? Because if somebody else wants to leave the ACC, they don't really care what an ACC deadline is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I can only read and listen yeah, to people I, what I they say. And I, I, that, the part that confuses me is like I, based on my past history of seeing college realignment, dates haven't really mattered. I've I've been listening to college realignment stories. It feels like every no for your life, every year for. In different times of the year, you were six entire... years old, probably yeah. when like this, so when it got crazy. So yeah, so I, I just and yeah. I understand they're saying that, and maybe that's something that makes them feel good, the ACC. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't the ACC saying it was some, it was multiple writers. There was one sure, but I'm sure the writers are being told by sources in the conference, like, oh, this is the deadline for them to say something if they're going to say something. But like, is the U.S. District Court of whatever going to say, oh, sorry, you got to wait next till next year to file this claim? Probably not. Probably going to get filed anyway. Yeah, I, I might not have all the answers in that area. Um, Joe, let's jump to the D block, and I want to talk about what's dominating my life. And it's because for the last two or three months, I think the kids were still in school when I was already hearing about it. 
they wanted to see the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, we weren't going to the movie theater to see it. So uh, we had to wait for it to come out streaming. And then I had to fight through all the ads on TV that had stream it now, but you had to pay money. And so now it's finally streaming on a subscription that we have access to. And we got to watch it on the Peacock app. And uh, my review, worth my time. It wasn't the worst thing ever. You got to take it for what it is. I mean, this is a movie about a video game and it's aimed at kids and blah, blah, blah. Like, it, yeah, it's not the greatest film ever made, but I I found myself enjoying it. And this is DreamWorks that makes it. They are the ones that made the newer Grinch movie a few years ago that I went into very pessimistically saying that old 30-minute TV Grinch is my favorite. They're never, you know, they can't, they're going to mess it all up. It's going to be terrible. And then it was an enjoyable movie and, and they didn't, you know, light the old one on fire and burn it and disrespect it. And so now when they took on Mario, I thought, yeah, there's a lot of bad ways to do this. I think there was a live action Mario at one time in the nineties that probably did that. This, like, I thought they presented a lot of good, um, themes in this princess peach was very strong and, and such a leader mario wasn't just trying to save the princess he was really trying to save luigi i, I like that different dynamic for kids in this generation to, to take in um you know not the the whole you know the woman is just waiting on the man to take care of everything i i appreciated that with two daughters to, to not have that influence there uh they incorporated the music the noises the um just the classic features from the video games and not that I've played every Mario uh, video game ever, but I played the classics on NES and some super Nintendo. They, they incorporated a lot and it was light and moved forward and was good. And uh, I liked it. It was worth my time. I thought for what it is, I thought it was worth my time. And uh, you know, sitting down with the kids and watching it, I'd recommend that for anybody. You got some kids that want to watch it. You don't have to leave the room. It's not going to annoy you. It's not going to say, oh, this was terrible and disrespectful to the franchise of Mario. You won't say that. You'll be like, oh, oh, that was funny. That's cute. You know, oh, that's cool how they incorporated that. Um, yeah, it, it's it's all right. I mean, I now that it's on a streaming service, I might watch it. Um, I'm not saying seek it out for you or something, I, but I'm saying. It was on my, no, I, I had said, like, when it gets on a streaming service, I'll probably watch that. Um, I'll be honest, hearing it's made by DreamWorks makes me a little more scared. Um, I have not liked what DreamWorks has done. I, I've, I like Sane. I liked, uh, Secret Life of Pets. I've liked, um. Secret Life of Pets was just okay. Yeah, I liked it fine. Sane, I liked Sane's. I like both those movies. Um, the Minions, oh, I don't know. I, the Minions movie I didn't like. I liked, uh. Grew. I liked uh, Despicable Me. Despicable Me. At least one. Uh, I don't know. I, DreamWorks doesn't bother me. Is it's like an alternate, fr- like uh, company making kids movies. Like I'm getting to where I kind of trust their level of quality to a degree. I don't know. I didn't like the Minions movie. I'll say that. I, there's just too many things that, when I think of who made that hot pile of garbage, the answer is DreamWorks. So which which ones are we talking? Let me look and see, because I right now I don't want to say something and it'd be wrong. Um, yeah, that's what I'm ready for. <laughs> I'm always ready for you to say something wrong. Oh, B-Movie was one. That was DreamWorks? That was DreamWorks. A long time ago. Yeah, well, that's my thing. I've held yeah. on to it. Um, okay. <laughs> DreamWorks, 
since I've had kids, I feel like DreamWorks has kind of done a good job. Now, I haven't seen I haven't seen uh, Shark Tale, but that's another that's one that's pretty to old me, too. I don't know. That was another one to me that I was like, "This is gonna suck." Um, Shark Tale. Yeah, I, I, I. Oh, oh, Madagascar movies didn't like. Those. Oh, uh, I like the second one better than the first one when they. Uh, are actually in Africa and stuff. Those were pretty good. That one was a pretty good one. Didn't like those. El and that crazy uh, lemur guy. He was funny. El Dorado. Boo. I don't know that one. Ants sucked. Yeah, I don't know. Chicken Run. That might have been one of the better DreamWorks movies. That and Shrek. Chicken Run is DreamWorks, man. I thought that was like stop animation. That's uh, made by the same people who make like Wallace and Gromit and stuff. They bought them, I guess. Okay. Oh, Boss Baby sucks. Like, there's just too many. When I look kids at kids, love that Boss oh, Baby. Oh man, Mine How don't. I Met Your Mine Dragon. Seen it. How I Met Your Dragon. Terrible. Is it bad? At now, here's part of the problem of that movie for me. The guy who's the main, mm, um, the guy who is the main character and voices the main character. I think he is one of the least funny people I've ever. Scene. How I Trained Your Dragon? Yeah, or How to Train Your Dragon or whatever. I Trained My Dragon. 2010. See, this, I mean, that's a movie from outside of my, um, 2012 is when I started in, uh, in the, being a connoisseur of the uh, animated films. To the Adventures of 1010. Who's the voice? The uh, Gerard Butler? For How to Train Your Dragon? No, I'm talking about the main character. I don't know. I Okay. The main character, that's not his name. Gerard Butler is not the main character. Stock the Vast, Hiccup Horrendous, Astrid Hofstein, Snotlout. I don't know, dude. Now we're just naming dragons. <laughs> um, I just, I, now I got to find the cast. This is going to be terrible. I'm going to hate this. Thank you so much for making me do this. I don't know if their hit rate is. Jay uh, Baruchel. I don't know him. Or Baruchel. If you saw him, you would know him. I don't know the hit if the hit rate. For DreamWorks is any worse than Disney or something. I mean, there's plenty of Disney movies get put out on wide release. I'm not saying like Disney. Okay, I'm not sure. Um, he's my least favorite part about Tropic Thunder. He's the he's like in that group. He was uh, what undeclared. He was the main character, and he was actually decent in that. He's part of that group that's in the not funny stuff. Yeah. Um, he had a funny show on FX. I think if that's the same guy. Um, no, it was funny. That show was good. No. If he was in it, there's no chance. No, it was. Uh, I forget the name of it though. This, I mean, I just, he, I just don't think he's funny. I can't help it. I just don't think he's funny. Yeah, he's like. He's friends he's with, with Seth, Seth Rogen. Rogen and all yeah, that. Yeah, great. Another great example of a dude I don't yeah care for. But and I'm not saying there's Why anything the name wrong. Of that show? It's just not my kind of humor, and that's fine. I don't have to like everything, and not everything has to be made for me, but I just... It should be, though, Joe. Mario wasn't bad, so... Yeah, but th- th- what I'm saying is, when you say something It was a like, good effort. DreamWorks I... made it. That's Those kind of movies are why I'm like, uh-oh. Like, when you say that, because I'm like, I don't... It was a good effort. I think he this one... He was in four episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark. How about that? Was he really? Oh... <laughs> uh... Man, I wish I could remember the show on FX that I, I found kind of funny. Yeah, I'm trying to find the show that maybe it would have been. It's probably great podcast listening because I'm I'm looking at his 
TV show stuff and being human. Oh. No, he was only in one episode of that. A main role in My Hometown and a main role in Man Seeking Woman. That's the one you're thinking of. Is that it? Yep. That was funny because, like, one episode they, like, did FX the girl. X. They did the women aspect of it, and I thought it was, like, a really good episode of TV. But also, I mean, uh, Donald Glover show, Atlanta, they did that same kind of thing one time where it, like, they kind of flipped who they were following, and it, and it kind of told a better story. Yeah, I just... Atlanta's a good show. I'm going to watch it. Probably eventually, but DreamWorks was is not a selling point. It's a it's a tale of caution for me. Okay. Now, a show that I didn't even realize was getting a season two made because I thought they were just basing on the book and season one was the entire book and now they're gonna just try to make money. Um is Amazon doing a season two of Good Omens. Um, which again, if you're looking for something to watch Want something funny, not too serious. Uh, that's a great show. Good Omens. Season one is based on the book by Neil Gaiman. It's a short story that they made into a TV show. That It's like six episodes, I think, in season one. It's great. I loved it. I, I, the, I love the book. I thought they did a good job with the TV show. This is going to be like past that now, so I am curious... I've I've only watched part of episode one, um, and then I had other stuff I had to do, so I had to walk away. But um, I am interested to see what they do there, and and honestly, like while we're talking about other shows, I did watch a first season, and they've done a second season. I, I don't think they're done with season two yet. They're releasing it by the week. It's on Apple. Um, this is Good Omens two is on Amazon Prime. Apple has a show called The After Party. And I need to look up this guy's name because there's no way to describe him. Um, while you're looking that up, people are gonna know. you yeah. reminded me looking at Good Omen, and I was looking at the list, David Tennant and some other people. John Hamm is in that. And yeah. I think he's overrated. We talk about overrated bands. I think like people just default like John Hamm. And like I guess I just don't get it as much. Okay. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I, I just, I don't know if I have a strong opinion about him either way. I didn't love Mad Men. Yeah, I, that's what I think. I tried Mad Men and I never really got into it. And he was running that show. I think he's um, some other stuff though that I'm like, well, okay. I, I mean, there's spots where he's funny and, and, and this and that. I'm not saying like, I don't want to see him in anything. I just think like, I just wonder if I don't like him as a lead and a whole lot of them. Hey, Jack Black is in Super Mario. And Jack Black is one of those guys, like, I can take him for, like, this or for that. But, like, a whole thing of Jack Black is usually not good. Oh, other than School of Rock. School of Rock was an amazing movie, and I love it. But, like, Shallow Howl and a lot of other stuff where he's, like, the main guy, I'm not as big. I like him more as a side guy. And he was great for Bowser. And, like, there's some really funny things and, like, more viral things that came from Mario that were Jack Black from that because it was, like, the right amount of Jack Black. And he was perfect for that animated character. Like, you talk about Robin Williams voicing these different characters. Like, Jack Black did very good in this one. And uh, so I'll give him credit. But uh, the guy's name I was thinking of was Sam Richardson in uh, The After Party. And if you're wondering and you don't recognize that name, uh, I don't blame you. Um, oh, he's funny, yeah. He he plays the villain, the big uh, rich 
African guy uh, in Ted Lasso that is trying to buy the players uh, Sam away from AFC Richmond. His character's name is Edwin Okufu. Um, he shooted up in uh, he's Veep. He's in Veep, um, and he plays her assistant in Veep. Some, he's hilarious. Some Parks and Rec, do I remember? Uh, I, perhaps. I thought some Parks and Rec, but maybe I'm I'm confused. Uh, um, no, he's good in a lot of things I've seen him pop up in. Uh, he's in some of uh, that Netflix show, I Think You Should Leave. Like yes. He shows up in some he's of that. He's hilarious yeah, in that. He's I a mean, funny his... dude. Oh, he's on. he is in Archer, too, yeah. Um, for one episode or a few episodes. Um, I'm looking now to see because I got I got to go way back for Parks and Rec. But yeah, I, I think he is very very funny, and he's funny in this show too. And honestly, like when I go back to that Veep character, that's one yeah. of my favorite characters. Yeah, he's in, awesome in, in the Veep. TV. I think I'm mixing up his character in Veep with something because they're both like political yes. based. I think I'm crossing over a little bit there. But his character, like when his character gets introduced in Veep. That's one of my favorite characters on that show. Yeah. Because he's so funny. Yes, and he is. My brother and I quote some of his lines from there. And then when. Because he's like a purred. I think that's where I'm getting mixed up. Yeah. He's like a purred kind of role with just the re- the dumbness that he says. The, the literal. Yeah. The literal. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Just, but, he's like Amelia Bedelia. <laughs> like, yeah. Just uh, gets it all mixed up because of like literalness or, uh, you know sayings yeah <laughs> there's another show that apparently did not last very long that the the guy who's in i think you should the leave. detroiter show yeah i've yeah. seen some clips from that and i yeah i yeah. want to watch it now because i do look i will say this i think you should leave there's some weird stuff there's some weird stuff yeah. that is just but he's taking his shots like i appreciate is, that from I, a show usually per episode there is one skit that will make me laugh really hard Usually, and there can not e- always, and maybe one every two episodes. There's one sketch that you don't laugh at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, there's some where I'm like, all right, dude. Um, but he's taking his shots. And he has the liberty to do that on Netflix. Yeah, this character yeah. Uh, that Sam Richardson plays on that show, where like the little buff boys host, makes me laugh every time. And then there's another one he does. I think Little Buff Boys was maybe season two, and season one was the one where he's doing the uh, baby of the year. Yeah, 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 yeah. And both of those, yeah, I I laughed so hard yeah. at both of those when they were doing them, and like that's honestly, I was just like, oh man, this is great because <laughs> my brother and I, <laughs> but that's another one. My brother and I will quote his lines from that. <laughs> we'll sit there and there's, uh, we're like, who's it gonna be? Who's it gonna be? <laughs> if we're and um, then when uh, one of it's us like will cutting say the baby or like which ones? No, that was the little buff boys when he's like, "Who's it going to be? Is it going to be?" Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember the names for the other ones, but the one that the guy picks is Troll Boy. <laughs> he goes, I don't know. Troll Boy goes, "No, no, we're not doing that. We're not picking Troll Boy." <laughs> and then he looks at me, goes, "You get it, don't you?" And he goes, "Yeah, Troll Boy gets it. He gets it." I think I think there's Veep. I don't know if the first time I watched Veep through all the way through, which wasn't that long ago, I had watched episodes. I think Veep is one that I'm more close to. Like, I maybe want to watch this through again. Like, it's so funny. Oh, it's great. There are some great one-liners that are absolutely not podcast appropriate. Oh my goodness, very no. little of that show. Is oh my goodness, no. but yeah. Oh my gosh, season one, episode one, when she comments on the <laughs> amount of people that are in that room. Yeah, laugh every time when she tells that congresswoman off. 
Oh, and bringing up her husband's medical history. It's just, oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> she wanted, if she wanted you to sign it, she would have good. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, oh. Great shows. Again, Sam Richardson is in The After Party, which I found season one to be pretty delightful. Season two so far has also been pretty good. Um, and, and The After Party is a murder mystery. Yeah. So it basically is like a whodunit, and then at the end you find out who actually did it. The guy who plays Sean Ralphio is in that. Um, that's another guy who I think is really, really funny. And I, like Sam Richardson, I think is underrated. <sighs> Because there's a little... I think him, and he's always appeared with Aziz on Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think both of those guys are guys that, like, I think can come in and give you some funniness, but I also don't necessarily want a whole thing of. I I don't know. Maybe. But he's good in this show, and he was in an, a thing that The Onion did, which was like a spoof morning show that tackles, like, the five stages of grief. And... They're like little 15-minute clips, but the bloopers from that were almost as good as the show. Yeah. But So each episode is like a different stage of grief, and it, without spoiling too much, the premise of the show is episode one, at the end of this show, he's going to propose to his girlfriend, and his girlfriend says no. And so then it's like the stages of grief. Yeah. And there are some funny things in that that are just... As he's going through the different stages, there's just stuff that is laugh out loud funny. And yeah, I, both of those guys I love. And Which one's that? What was that last one again? The grief one. Oh, uh, hold on. I'll tell you. I got to find. Yeah, because that one actually sounds interesting. Yeah, I got to. And it's on YouTube. It's, I mean, because The Onion did it. It's strictly on YouTube. And um, I got to find the cast here. What is his name? Ben Schwartz. All right. If I find Ben Schwartz, I'll yeah. find it. But while I'm doing that, um, it's uh, – let's see. Where, where is this? Fill for me. Say something. <laughs> oh, The Earliest Show. That's what it's called. It's called The Earliest Show. Okay. Um, really, really, <laughs> really funny. And um, I can't recommend Man. those shows enough. Pedro Pascal's in it, too. Yeah, he's in it. The guy who is in New Girl um, and is the main character. Uh, uh, Josh uh, Johnson. Uh, sure. Jack he's Johnson. In he's John. in it. Reggie Miller is in an episode. Well, there you go. But yeah, both. I'm, Jake Johnson. <laughs> so I, I would recommend The After Party. And again, good, open, good omens if you're looking for something funny gotcha. to watch. And uh, that will do it for us on this long episode of the X Sports <laughs> Podcast. Uh, but we hope you'd enjoyed it. As we get close to the high school football season, we want to have more coaches on. Again, thanks to Coach Rolf for being the first one this season. We hope to bring you more before the season starts. But yep. if not, Leland and I will be bringing you coverage all season long, all for not just football, but also for the fall sports like volleyball and uh, some golf. And let's they see. They had another tournament. Wilson, I think Wilson's won the first two tournaments. So. That's picking it's, up where they left off last year. It's cross country that is in the fall. Yes. So we'll we'll bring some cross country. I always get those two mixed up. They um, don't really kick off until like the second week of September anyway. So. I'm a runner. Um, <laughs> well, I did run from my mailbox to this door when I found out there was yellow jackets living in the mail slot. So <laughs> um, maybe that's what the firemen were here for. 
Doubt it. <laughs> but it would be beneficial if they were. Um, I would imagine the mailman probably took care of that business already. But until then, folks, find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you never miss another other, episode. Other places apparently now, too. They're emailing yeah, me. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, if Somewhere you get podcasts. Why don't you just YAC Sports Podcast? You'll probably find us. Um, I wish we had control over that, but apparently yeah. we don't. Uh, it, our pay rate doesn't go up any. So, right. Neither does our price that we pay go down. <laughs> um, but <laughs> until then, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Have a great week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.